Welcome, friends. I'm Janine, and this is my podcast, Quest for You. This is episode 537, and this is a special episode because I'm back. I am back with Quest stories. I know how much you love them, and I am equally excited. After a Christmas break and some of my following weekends booked for skiing and ice climbing, I'm finally making some time for interviews again. Well, I'm not just making time for that. I'm freeing my weekends up for all my other projects that I haven't tackled in months. As you know, I love climbing, but when I climb, not much else gets done. And for me, it is time to focus. This weekend is President's Day weekend. Some of you may be off on Monday. I am. And I had a really nice trip planned with some really cool people to climb in Joshua Tree National Park. I've been there only once, and now when it's cold up north in the mountains, it's the time to go there. It will be a balmy 70 degrees during the day, but I won't be there to enjoy it. It was a tough decision, but I said no, because I need to refocus. And this interview today is part of my refocusing project and mission. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Susie Wyshek on a beautiful and warm Saturday afternoon in her comfy house in Oakland. And our conversation was a beautiful reminder of another area of my life that I value and yet don't work on enough. And that is connection. You want ideas on how to reach out to others? Susie has them. She's amazing at it. She's not scared like I am to speak to strangers. Listen for how she does it. Connection is something I want to do more of this year and it requires time. Time and sacrifices. It requires more beautiful Saturday afternoons, not in the mountains, but together with beautiful human beings like Susie. Susie inspired me because she goes after what she wants to do. It may not be conventional, it may not be in an exact order, and it may not get done, but it makes her happy and it pushes her boundaries. And that is why I loved hearing her story. And I hope you enjoy it as well. We also talked about many other exciting topics. Chocolate is one of them. And in case you missed it, I talked about chocolate in my previous episode, number 536. It might be sheer coincidence, but maybe it's not. We talk a lot about food, innovation, money, and odd jobs. A wide-ranging conversation that is insightful and inspiring. I hope you love it, just like I did. Connecting with Susie and getting to know her better, she's an awesome person. And if you're interested to connect with her as well, maybe to brainstorm your ideas in a cafe, or to exchange recipes with her, she can be found at foodstarter.com. Go and check her out. And with that, I bring you my interview with Susie. Much love. Your mic is not on. Now I hear you. Okay. Tell me that story again. With the what happened outside? I was outside picking weeds and adjusting my little solar spotlight, and I noticed a cactus. And I thought, that's weird. That looks like a phone. And I look closely. And I'm like, that's my phone. <laughs> <laughs> fallen into the cactus and it was so lucky that that's i hilarious. saw it there <laughs> didn't find it three days from now or oh, habits 
Yeah. Good. <laughs> well, hi, Susie. Hi, Janine. Welcome. Thank you welcome. I welcome you. <laughs> I am. Um, thank you for hosting in your beautiful home here on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. It is. Like I said earlier, I don't know much about you, but I'm really looking forward to get to know you and to, to this time together and to see what I can learn from you. That's the purpose of my podcast and my interviews that I do. So, I love it. <laughs> so what am I looking at here? Sultan Orange. You talked about this um, drink, which we're going to get into because I learned a little bit by reading that you are a foodie. I yes. did not know that. Well, it turns out you're interviewing me the week after a big trade show that happens every January where it's called the Fancy Food Show in San Francisco. Mm. And it's where the, the retail food industry comes to find interesting new specialty food products, natural foods from around the world. And people set up booths there and they hope to meet new buyers and and see old buyers and get people excited about what they're making and i get invited there as a press person there's an ant on the can i get invited <laughs> there um to then write about people i wrote a book called good food great business where i interviewed a lot of the people who are at that show and I find trends and new products and connect with people, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> and where do you um, where do you write about it? I have a blog called Food Starter, and sometimes I write articles for other people, but I like the flexibility of not committing <laughs> to that. So I did write a few articles on my blog. Mm. And then do you try all the different foods too? Yes, it is sheer carnage for three days. There's hundreds of cheeses from around the world. Confections, drinks, crackers, anything you can imagine. So you have to go hungry. You do. It's <laughs> the, the thing that's interesting is the real professionals eat meals before and during the time that they're there and they avoid tasting Whereas I love sampling all the cheeses and salamis and all the different foods because it's incredible. You, there's just no one place you could try all of that. Mm. And what was the most interesting thing this time that you tried? Oh, I should have that in my head. These drinks actually were interesting. Someone in the press room had tried one. There's one that's flavored with date. There was a lot of date-based products. Uh, Lots of vegan ice cream sandwiches ooh. that were delicious. These drinks, though, were some, they're sodas that I think originate out of the Middle East, and they have exotic seeds and spices in them as sodas. So mm -hmm. that was interesting mm -hmm. that they're trying to go mainstream in the U.S. Tell me about the passion for food where does this come from I grew up with the passion for food when I grew up in Los Angeles and I think a lot of people who had were they first generation Americans where their parents came from another country we grew up in a household where we ate really fresh good simple healthy food 
and then we saved our our decadent food for when we had parties or we'd go out to a bakery. So I grew up where my dad's parents had come from Syria a hundred years ago, and we loved that food, and it was like our comfort food in the freezer. And my first job was at a candy store, and growing up, there was a local candy maker. We used to eat logs of marzipan and all kinds. I see you, your stomach growling. Um, I grew so, up with marzipan. Yeah, all it's that. A German, it's very, it's yeah. in German, but mostly for Christmas. Marzipan, marzipan is more for, like, during the Christmas mm-hmm. time. We but if it. I handed you some now, would you eat oh, it? Of course. <laughs> So just that taste for really high quality food was something I grew up with. And also going to look for small local food producers around the world. I think my parents love doing that. Always going as close to the source as possible. Mm. So it's just something I've always loved. And I think it's key to a good life. (laughs) Good food? Yes. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, I grew up similarly. I, it reminds me when you were telling me that. My grandmother had a huge garden and grew up vegetables. I grew up, you know, seeing how the vegetables were picked and how they made it into the kitchen. She would say, would well, you feel like salad tonight? Sure. And she would go pick a salad and we made a salad. So I definitely appreciate good food close to the source. It's interesting how when I was young, Europe was the example of you know, everyone always, especially in Germany, they've always had those great breads and crackers and things that with whole grain and composting and, and all those great values that now are making it into the mainstream in the U.S. But it was something to aspire to yeah. when we were younger. Yeah. So what do you do now in terms of food? You write a food blog. I heard something about a book. You have a book on food? Yeah, I uh, I had been working at a company where I was helping small food producers sell online. And I've done a lot of small business consulting and marketing is my background. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned that so many people get to a point where they don't know what to do next. And they're often the solo person. And I, this is, I mean, now with social media, so present it might be different but I wanted to write a book where all the information was in one place to help you decide what kind of business to start Mm. and the funny thing which I said in the introduction to the book ever since college I've thought about starting a food business myself and something has always stopped me and I'm again at that point where I'm thinking of, I actually printed out the applications and I filled them out to start a home-based food business. And someone actually gave me 20 pounds of chocolate the other day. And I was like, how quickly can I file my application so I can make something before it expires? Right. So I... I tend to have a lot of interests and hobbies, but this time I'm I'm pretty serious and sure that I'm going to do it. What do you feel has held you back in the past from going for it? I, I think it's just that I'm a real variety seeker. So I, I love inventing things, but going into production, whether like I've taken classes in making glass beads and ceramics and photography, mm-hmm. I like 
doing something once or a few times, but not doing it all the time. What's really cool is with the home-based food business, I could do limited one-time batches of things to sell to neighbors and local stores. Mm-hmm. And you're in California, you're allowed to gross $50,000 a year out of your kitchen. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool as yeah. a way to make money and connect with people. Yeah. It sounds like you've done many different things. I have. But would you say <laughs> that maybe if we're looking for, let's look for a common thread. Would you say food is a common thread going through everything? I'd say innovation is. So many people say to me, I uh, there's one person in particular, if only she would stick to something, she could make it big. But I love solving problems and coming up with ideas and connecting people. Mm-hmm. And And that's the thread that goes through everything, the connecting, I think. Mm-hmm. And just if I see a problem, whether it's my own habit or something else, I I love that process of seeing what have other people created to solve that problem? What else is there? I'm a shark tank addict, I have to admit. <laughs> <laughs> have you watched it before? I have. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you also help others solve their problems? Sounds like you, I heard a little bit that you may be consulting slash helping others as well. I do. Okay. And in fact, on New Year's, I actually set up a sign at a cafe and said, free brainstorm. You know, anything you want to brainstorm about. And a few people took me up on it. But I just love that sort of questioning process and helping people realize possibilities. Maybe I should meet with you more often. You should. (laughs) Because I need help. Yes, I I, would love to. I actually thought when you said the free sign, I thought about doing interviews and sitting Mm. somewhere and saying, Tell me your story, and Mm -hmm. I'm just going to interview you. Well, I think you should do that, and I should do a podcast where I brainstorm with people. We'll both do. (laughs) We can sit in the same cafe and do it. What would you want to brainstorm about? Let's see if I can help you right now. (laughs) And find clarity and find direction. (laughs) I love it. I think conversations with people are a great way to do that. So I love that you have this podcast. Yeah, because there is a little bit of a connection running through my life too. I think, especially last year, I've become more of a, I have valued that element of wanting to connect more with people. In, in, these interviews help me. Mm-hmm. But I've also have I have this meetup group that I told you about with the dinners and people there are connecting and I just love seeing strangers getting together and sharing something and f- suddenly finding a connection with each other. This is amazing to me. It is, and I love that you're doing that. That's something I've mm-hmm. thought of. But you're doing it. What do you have that at restaurants or people's houses? Restaurants, but I've also done the. If when I'm at uh, my friend's house where you were at Christmas, those were people, some people from my meetup too. So I invited people there too. But it wasn't like you noticed, right? It was all people from different backgrounds and somehow people find each other and connect with each other. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily just have to have a bunch of friends get together. You can have strangers get together. No, it's so cool because they don't have the same topics to fall back on that you would if you were friends. Exactly. 
That's exactly right. Yeah. It was interesting recently, my friend, my friend's mother is sort of nearing the end and they had a huge, I think a hundred person gathering uh, to celebrate her life while she's alive. And they said, no conversation about the weather, about politics. And I thought that was so cool that mm-hmm. they were prompting people to have meaningful conversation. I actually, that was originally what I was my purpose for the dinners. I wanted to have like meaningful, and I still say it in the meetup, meaningful conversations. And I, in the beginning thought, okay, well, maybe I need to bring a theme and talk. And then I tried that, but then I realized, no, people want to, people just want to connect with each other. So I just let it go. I let people just communicate and I don't set a theme. I tried it, but it was, it felt too forced. But I realized people just really want to connect. Mm-hmm. Simple. It's very simple. I always find it fascinating that airplanes are the only place where you're forced to be next to someone for several hours. Yes. And I think that's, I've always thought, what if there was speed dating with seats next to each other for <laughs> half an hour? So it wasn't fast, but yep. get served drinks yep. while you're sitting there. And you can't, and you can't escape. You in an can't airplane. escape. You're exactly. sitting there, you can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Airplanes and buses. Yep. Or, yeah. Very good observation. Mm-hmm. The connection. I want to continue talking about this connection theme. It sounds like that's also something that you are interested in, connecting with other people and meeting and meeting other people. Because I, I do see you sometimes sitting at Hudson Bay. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I love talking to strangers and I love connecting strangers especially if I see the same people coming to the cafe and I've gotten to know one and then you know if there's someone else I talk to then I introduce them and there I don't know how long you've been going there but there used to be this man who was in his 90s and everyone used to watch him he would draw on a piece of paper or turn the pages of a magazine by himself and I started talking to him and I discovered he had been a civil engineering professor. He had invented a few things and we became invention buddies and we would sit together and then I introduced him, my friend's dad and his friend go there. And sometimes I I really appreciate just sitting in a slow way, like in the old days before people had phones and you know, just talking to these people and hearing their stories, not recording them, but just conversing in a way that people used to in old European cafes. And recently I did that with my friend at the Botanical Garden. Just we were watching salamanders for an hour in the Japanese pond. We saw them by accident. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love, um, I actually, I don't know if you know, I have been working at Market Hall, or I worked there especially a lot during the holidays. No way. And I love talking to people and hearing what they're looking for, how I can help them, and just getting into conversation with people. And I know, like, I feel like that is the power of a great retail business, of connecting with the staff, 
getting customers to connect with each other. Mm-hmm. And I love talking to people on the street. Now, so many people have earbuds now that they're so easy and they're not connected to oh, wires. They're walking, looking down yeah. on their phone. And it's just hard to say hi to someone. But I love to when I can because you never know how it can change someone's day just to say hi to them. I love that. I so love that. And I, I'm always afraid to speak to strangers. I have to force myself. And every time I force myself, I, I, it's so rewarding. Mm-hmm. Because there's just something small somebody shares with me that you learn something from that person. And I just feel good, but I'm afraid of doing it. Hmm. Are you not? What, what are you afraid of? Uh, What's the worst that could happen? I think maybe rejection is the word. Even though, of course, a stranger doesn't reject you, but you're always worried somebody will judge you, reject you, say something that hurts, like, you know, doesn't want to talk to you. But I found that's never the case. Like they might say, you're too friendly. Is that how they would reject (laughs) you? (laughs) Why are you so nice? I don't think the thing is like, it's not a rational fear. Yeah. It's a fear. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's one that actually I have talked about on my podcast. I've talking to strangers is, is one of the best things you can get out of your comfort zone because it's not easy for people to in general to get out of it, but it's the easiest way to practice getting out of your comfort zone by striking up a conversation with a stranger and realizing, oh, this is not too bad. This is a really nice person because I've never, like you said, found anyone who didn't want to talk. Mm-hmm. People usually want to talk. Is that what you find? You know, actually, it, it depends. If there are young professionals in our neighborhood, there definitely are people who don't want to talk or don't want to say hi. Mm. But I, I especially love saying hi to younger people. Or if I walk by, there's a house near the one you were staying at. They have this great garden. And when I see the kids outside, I say, oh, what are you growing? What are you planting there? Just so they see it's okay to talk to strangers and especially like how to have a conversation about something. Mm -hmm. But there are people who don't want to talk and you just, you never know, you know, what's up with someone. Are they pathologically shy? Do they not know what to say? Are they in a bad mood? Did something happen? So I never take it personally. And I actually grew up my... My dad would talk to everyone at a store or whatever. And, and I was actually shy growing up. Mm-hmm. And I read a book about shyness. And in, in the book, they tell you to practice talking to people. Mm. And now I, I especially love, and maybe it's because I watch Seinfeld so much, just making random comments. And part of it, sometimes I wonder if I'm alone a lot so that I can talk to strangers or because I do wander around alone a lot. I'm not lonely, but I'll say to someone, turn around, look at the moon, or did you see those leaves right there? Or look what, you know, I'll, I'll often just say something and I, I just don't care if they don't <laughs> respond. But do you say it because you want to connect with them or you just want to make a little bit difference in their day? I think both. Yeah. And like, and I think the latter even more of like noticing Seth Godin actually calls himself a noticer 
and I am too and I love inspiring other people to notice mm. and and look at the little things or or look at something like I'll be like oh look at that light or you know just something little that makes them go oh yeah there's so much beauty around us or you know so many interesting things around us have you ever met somebody that you're still in touch with by just striking up a conversation like that? Definitely the people from the cafes. Yeah. It's funny, my sister became best friends with a guy in Italy that she asked directions to his train and he's like, use my car. And he became like a family member of oh ours. So, I mean, there definitely are people, I think more if I was in a bar or cafe or something that I've stayed in touch with, not as much on the street, mm -hmm. but I've gotten to know neighbors that way. Mm -hmm. And just the other day, I saw a guy walking out of his house that I always, I'm sure you've seen him at the cafes nearby. And I was like, wow, he lives like a block away from me. And I think he recognized me too, because I talk to him sometimes. I was going to say, yeah, you probably know all your neighbors here in this area. I know a lot of them. Um, and it, it was interesting because my next door neighbor, she's lived here like 30 years and hadn't really talked to any neighbors. So mm -hmm. I introduced her to a bunch of neighbors just because I think it's good to know your neighbors and why not you know i agree we're also always so closed in mm -hmm. sometimes we don't know who the next door neighbor is yeah and i agree um, i didn't grow up that way i grew up we knew each other we neighbors helped each other so i didn't grow up with neighbors helping each other mm -hmm. but i i love so many of my friends have friends on my block and you know so it really is amazing this whole six degrees of separation thing mm -hmm. i'm a big seth Godin fan by the way too yeah i, love I loved when he said that and you can tell that he sits and thinks a lot and oh you must i mean he publishes a blog every day yeah. he must he must think a lot yeah and reflect and yep. it's like we can all do that and mm -hmm. you know i think as my mom was aging and living alone i i taught her to ask people for help and and people like it's amazing especially with older people to show that you notice them yeah. or you know people who seem like they're alone mm -hmm. you know I, I often say hi to like homeless people walking by just so they know that they're being seen and oh, that's, that is good <laughs> that's a good yeah. skill to mm -hmm. have and to foster and you know maybe encourage other people to work on yeah because we live in an area here with a lot of homeless people mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and you know you know they say there's an epidemic of loneliness i don't know if you heard that yes i think it was the hidden brain about the mm -hmm. men who are alone who it's you know they think it seems creepy or like they middle-aged guys having a hard time connecting with people and mm -hmm. i mean i i think that starting out by noticing is a good way to ha have a conversation like oh look at that flower mm -hmm. like it looks like an alien flower <laughs> you know or just something random right like that. I have I have a hard time thinking of something to say oh that's to me like I have to really think and sometimes it's too late like you miss the opportunity to strike up a conversation but mm -hmm. I always I, 
it doesn't come natural to me because I'm very much into my own little world and this is something I'm working on. Mm. It, it requires, I think it requires opening up and seeing what's going on around you, noticing, mm-hmm. said yeah. that word, noticing, but it takes like this disconnecting from yourself because I think we're too much with in ourselves and worried about our own things. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that you, that seems like you're the complete opposite. You're going out into the world in order to connect with people. And, and I think it's really that, I mean, maybe it's because I went to Berkeley and I always said <laughs> there was this old man who was known as like either the smiling man or the waving man. And he actually wrote a book. I think he would stand on Telegraph and just wave to people who went by. And I was like, I want to be like him one day. So like having that, I don't care what people think of me. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know you. So whatever they think isn't necessarily true unless they think like, you know, they're probably thinking something about themselves. Like, I mm-hmm. wish I was out going like that. But that's why people fall back on the weather. You can either say beautiful day. It's cold today. Mm-hmm. It's hot today. <laughs> People usually will, I mean, I think that's why the weather has a, is a timeless topic it with truly strangers. Is. So you studied at Berkeley? You see Berkeley? Yeah. What did you study? I studied all the weird people. <laughs> um, I had transferred twice, so I picked just like my life now. I didn't know have anything I really wanted to major in, so my major was called Humanities. Mm-hmm. And I was able to transfer my many credits and get a degree because it was like I could basically study whatever I wanted. But I studied a lot of Portuguese, geography, just sort of fun things. And then I got an MBA at SF State of Marketing Mm. over a seven-year period. (laughs) I see a common thread here. But I was working full time for most of it, and then I took three years off in the middle. So, what were some of the Im- most interesting working gigs that you've had? I love that question, and I always think that's a good icebreaker, like your mm-hmm. oddest job. My favorite. <laughs> so, I also back in the day, you would find odd jobs by there was like an odd job board at Berkeley. Oh yeah, with little cards on it, and someone <laughs> hired me to fake her receipts for her taxes (laughs) isn't that awesome (laughs) I'm like that was my best odd job (laughs) but I always say my my first college job was my best job ever Uh I I worked at this little mom and pop I guess ad agency on university and I was the classified ad manager for yoga journal when I was in college and I would sell, and the, my bosses who owned it, they were the ad managers for Yoga Journal. And I sold ads for Vegetarian Times and New Age Journal and all these new agey publications. It had a little Rolodex with my clients. And it was just this awesome job. I love small businesses, you know, where I can do a bunch of things. And but what, was, what was so good about this job? Your interaction with the people? It, it was like a fa- it was a family business uh-huh. and and I was able to help people write their ads, which I've done a lot in my career. So it was really fun and having the constraints of fitting in you know printed classified ad length and 
just chatting with people about what they wanted to communicate. I so, miss I miss classifieds. I, I know classifieds were awesome. Yes. <laughs> You have to say in a few words something mm-hmm. very important, and then you open up the paper and you read. I would read them. Right. Just for the heck of it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't looking for anything, but I would just read classifieds. Yeah. <laughs> They're still fun to read. And I mean, magazines, some magazines still have them. But I also worked for a summer at the Chronicle and they're selling classifieds. Mm. And I had to join the union and it was like, sell, sell, sell. So it was like the opposite environment. You didn't like that. But I got a job. I got an offer to be a police dispatcher from someone. They're like, you're really good on the phone. (laughs) So that was a good odd job. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was an interesting what a sweatshop environment. But also, since the ads were so expensive, people really wanted to constrain them. So it was a good challenge. Yeah. <laughs> was there a dream job you had that you never actually got? Is there something that you were maybe looking for, dreaming about during this interesting time? Let's see. I probably never actually applied for dream jobs I didn't get. There were, I was, grew up in the the hot tech air, internet startup eras mm-hmm. when I was, I often took jobs where that would make me happy instead of that would make me really rich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so if I had focused and strategically chosen a career and stuck with it, I would be in a different place. Not that I don't love my life now. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, you have a beautiful house here. Yeah, I know. It looks like you know you have a good life and you're happy. Yeah. I actually applied once for a job in an ad agency. I didn't used to know how to interview or even talk, have a good conversation. Mm-hmm. And there was one interview where I I act I responded as if I were in therapy and was just telling the truth <laughs> with my answers. And I was like, oh, I guess I didn't get that job. <laughs> I don't think those were the answers she wanted. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know what I like here is that <laughs> I love this because I was the complete opposite. Oh. I always did everything in my life according to the book and according to what you're supposed to do. Not about, it was never about what makes me happy. Of course, I mean, I've thought about, could I like this But at the end of the day, it was about getting a job and getting paid, security, stability. How did you manage that that insecurity of not knowing where money would maybe come from next week? Well, honestly, after I was working in advertising, I decided I wanted to work in tech. So starting in the mid-90s, I was working at software companies. So I had a good salary for mm-hmm. a few years. And then I consulted, so I definitely had, I'm a Capricorn, so I love money. I wanted to tell my neighbor, I'm like, don't text me about the money you want for offense. I'm like, I don't like people asking me for money <laughs> for text. But anyway, but no, so I've, I've been, I've lived frugally, like I wasn't the person who went out and for drinks, you know, in my younger years mm-hmm. all the time or goes out for lavish meals. I've been lucky enough to have access to great food wherever I lived that was pretty reasonable because it was all near college towns. 
So in addition to saving money, about 10 or, or so years ago, I decided to follow Susie Orman's rules. And I thought, if I can get my money to work for me, I can work less. So that's when I've valued having money come in, but I also pay attention to it and try to invest it and grow my money and and try to have nowadays, like so many people have more passive income instead of needing to work that hard. But mm -hmm. I do have a dream of inventing something and making millions of dollars <laughs> from it. That's what I'm working on now. It doesn't sound like it, but I am. <laughs> Is the, the love for money out of knowing that money gives you security and then allows you to do what makes you happy? It's really the latter. It gives me the freedom to do whatever I want. So I've never felt I needed security per se because I mean, at one point I realized having, like, I'll do anything to survive. So I feel like if you're willing, nothing's below you. And mm -hmm. if you're connected and you have a network of people and you want to help people, I mean, you pro probably know how much you can make as a house cleaner, <laughs> you know, or picking weeds mm -hmm. in our neighborhood. So if I needed money, I would do that. Mm -hmm. So I've never felt limited or like I need security. I've never... Because you thought you can always figure out a way to make money? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But I, I love being able to do what I want to do. And honestly, I've actually spent a lot of money on, I, I don't know if you know this, but about 15-ish years ago, I decided I had cancer and I got cured. Mm. But I, I decided to create a website that I had been pitching at my company and they didn't want to build it. And it was a, like a Netflix for your life goals. And so the idea was to never be bored, to live a full life, to think about your experiences and always have something you want to do. Like the way I said when, you know, if someone is showing up late, do something else that you want to do. Don't get mad. Like just do something else that's in line with your goals. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of money hiring a developer. I had it for a few years. It helped a lot of people. But I've had a lot of projects like that that, you know, I thought would come to fruition, but they were something I, I really believed in and wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I feel like spending money that way instead of on more of an education or a car or something, you know, that will help people. Is, is what I care about. And so what's what's next? What do you, we, you mentioned when, I, when we first started something about the food, the kitchen. The, what, what do you see happening next and maybe really making it happen? I know. <laughs> <laughs> right now I do have a few innovative projects going on and, and I do need to focus on it but things I'm prototyping and that I want to test with people mm -hmm. there's a series of books I want to write I self-published a couple books uh -huh. but I have for a few years I've been jotting down ideas for more books that and I've also taking I've taken some narration classes so I'd love to 
write books probably for Kindle and then record the audio books mm-hmm. and just do a whole bunch of those as a series. Mm-hmm. What specific topic would they be about? How I learned about human behavior by dot, dot, dot. <laughs> There you go. And then, but a lot of different things that I've done mm-hmm. and also drawing upon my friends. So I'm interested in how a typical day for you looks like, or What? do you not have a typical day? <laughs> I'm really interested with so many projects. Is there something very consistent that you do every single day? I can tell you what I want to do every day. I wake up and smell the coffee. That's for sure. That's one unwavering thing. And yep. sometimes I'll go to a cafe. Sometimes I'll make it at home. Mm -hmm. I try to write down my goals for the day every day that's like when I tell my dentist that I floss every day I'm telling you <laughs> oh yeah I write down my goals no I when I do that um, it's amazing what I get done when I write them down but from there it just depends what my goals are for mm -hmm. example I am working on some programs for kids that are going to be that teachers can buy online based on a book I had done a Kickstarter for. I know you're like, you didn't even mention that. Now you're oh, saying I, you I'm, did I'm, this other. I'm already realizing there's a lot of things we could go in. We could go into many different directions. You can conclude by saying, if only you would focus on one thing. I'm just thinking that if people listen to this interview and they have something that they would like to execute, you're the person to run it by and run it through. You can help somebody bring an idea from here, from A to B, and really just brain. I mean, the brainstorming thing. I really yeah. think that's where I see your strength is. You have tons of ideas, and you've done so many different things. It's true, and I know so many people. So I, like, I have a client, and on my website I say, like, I have this kind of brainstorming and strategy package for food businesses and I love when they're like oh I'm thinking of doing this but blah 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 so I know who can help them produce it who can help them sell it you know what they should do what's a niche in the market so that's what I like to focus on because then I can work with many clients doing that right rather than going That's that's the thing when I think about my own business. It would be so much fun having seasonal things, but to do the same thing over and over, I'd rather like sell the concept to someone and they can produce it. Right now, I do want to know what you're going to do with the 20 pounds of chocolate. Oh, Or 10 pounds. Was do it you know 10? what? I'm going to have to bring you samples. <laughs> I, I actually do think I'll probably see if someone else wants to take it from me just so I don't have the... Because I'm, I'm not licensed yet. So, I mean, I could make stuff and give it away, actually. Maybe I should do that as a fundraiser for what about uh, What about these places where these community kitchens now? I've seen yeah. them. Um, where you can go and you can cook. and have You, you still need to get licensed to do it. Mm. So there's that lag time. Mm. But maybe I should just have a few parties and have people come over. There you go brainstorm parties there you go brainstorm and dip things in chocolate yes <laughs> <laughs> all right so not a not a specific thing that you're focusing on potentially long term right now you don't know yet or well so I've had my 
I've had an Airbnb and I'm working on maybe turning it more into an experience-based place. And I'm working on like food tours down college and it could all tie together mm-hmm. with learning how to start a food business, learning to cook certain things. So Connection. I love in- integrating yeah. all of my interests together. That's yeah. something I've done for years and I feel like I'm a, I'm a huge maximizer of life experiences so you know you can learn many things if you know your goals and then try to do them Mm -hmm. in an integrated way yeah I love it and I think the common thread of connection goes through all of those Mm -hmm. food connects people ideas connect people conversations conversations which there's another topic there are you talking about speaking so chocolate chocolate <laughs> we didn't even get into but i love chocolate chocolate <laughs> definitely connects people <laughs> so yeah um i can't wait to see what you do next um is there anything else that you yes would like to you talk need about? to come back to toastmasters because you just said so yeah you would not be doing that if you weren't. Someone used that as an example the other day of things people need to stop saying. Why is Toastmasters so important to you? So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's mostly important to me when I hear people giving speeches. I just heard someone who had been an accountant for 25 years mm-hmm. saying, um, right, yeah, you know... It's amazing how learning to communicate in a crisp way without all those filler words can help you in so many areas of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've met you through Toastmasters and I've met so many wonderful other people through Toastmasters. And yes, and this is why I want to come back. Yay! I will. (laughs) All right, well, um, I really appreciate your time. Is what one place can I can we mention where you would like people to connect with you if they listen to this and they feel inspired? I love it. Uh, I have a newsletter you can sign up for on foodstarter.com mm-hmm. and you can also contact me through there. Awesome. Thank I'm you. I'm going to sign up for that. Thank Yay. you. Thank you Janine. Thank you Susie. It was great.